the construct, the ideology of free speech yes. is not what it once was. It gets real murky. Yeah. It's very, very murky. And let me tell you why. The idea of a public forum historically from a constitutional perspective was always meant to be a town square or talking in a newspaper and things like that. Right. But so much of this becomes so heavily privatized. Yes. Twitter is a private company. It's not even publicly traded at this point in time. Right. Instagram is a publicly traded company, but it's owned by people, not the government. Yes. They can say, we will accept you, we will not. It is not a public form, even though mm -hmm. almost all the public's on it. Right. So it's very murky in the days of the internet and free speech are very much clouded this because if I want to go in and delete your comment because I like Funyuns and you're talking about Doritos and I won't let you post about Doritos. Right. I can do that. Yeah. It's my platform. Yeah. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Episode 100. I need you to bring that energy. Bring it. You, you came out of the top a little too hard for me. It scared uh, me. Uh, <laughs> it scared just, you a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little intimidating. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Welcome back to the show, everyone. My excited host and I are glad that you have sat with us and endured 100 episodes of cheeky shenanigans mixed with financial literacy and educational content. All 18 of you. Maybe even 19 now. You know, we pick up, we yeah. pick up one here and there. Maybe. Yeah. Which clearly is evidence that you know that you are leaving us fake reviews because we can't possibly have this many reviews with 18 or 19 listeners. What do you mean? That's not true. Come on now. Uh-huh. Convenient. Mm. Well, as much as I hate to stroke your ego on the 100th episode. <laughs> That's a euphemism? I get, no, that was not a okay. euphemism. Oh, I will literally stroke your ego. <laughs> okay. okay. Money-wise, article titled, Morgan Stanley warns that housing affordability is deteriorating faster than at any point in its data history. Mm -hmm. Here are two easy ways to buck the worrisome trend. We don't really care about bucking the worrisome trend. Mm -mm. But I do care about this one sentence from the article. The affordability of housing across the United States is deteriorating at its fastest pace in history. That's according to the analyst's most recent investment bank by Morgan Stanley. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Morgan Stanley is an investment bank like many banks, and they have analytics built into their group, and this is kind of what they do for a living. But this happens to be one of the topics that the one and only Said Omar, the laureate, <laughs> soon to be, has discussed on how many episodes now? Three, four? Maybe yeah, five? Yeah, maybe. Demand without affordability is not demand. Nope, it is not. It is our catchphrase, and it seemed only right to start off this lovely episode 
with a reminder that we know everything. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not everything, but I read that article and, you know, it, it noted, it noted a, a couple of things that we've mentioned, you know, time and time again. So as we know, there are three key factors that drive home prices. Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Dave Ramsey. Exactly. Realtor.com. <laughs> and the National and, Association, Association of Realtors. Realtors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so mortgage rates, well, we know, you know, income wages and inventory. Right. And as we know, right now, mortgage rates are what is rapidly changing, as the article pointed out. And that's what's really deteriorating um, these home prices and affordability. And what would the hundredth episode be without a reminder of where we've been? Because how do you know where you're going if you don't know where you've been? You don't. So as a precursor to what we're going to talk about throughout the rest of the show, I'd like to remind you of how we started this year. House prices are going to go up every year for the next five years. How do you know if you're ready to buy a house? Because if you're ready to buy a house, you need to buy now. Got to buy right now. Buy it right, right now. Right, right now. House prices are never going to go down <laughs> as long as I get a commission on you buying that house right now. Exactly. So then the article went on to say that it's leaving it's leaving buyers with two options, right? You can either move. Oh, these are the, yeah, these these are terrible, by the way. The two quote easy ways to buck the worrisome trend. Yeah, yeah move, bitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. These, are, these terrible, are terrible, terrible option. Terrible option. Option number one, terrible. Move right. And what they cited were three, uh, three places where inventory grew the fastest: Phoenix, one hundred sixty-seven percent; Raleigh, one hundred sixty-six percent. Whoa, whoa, you mean Raleigh? Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and Nashville, one hundred twenty-five percent. All great places to live. Why don't so, you move there? Option number one, Does not an option. Remotely? Not an option. You don't like desert people? No. So option number two. Why are you alienating an entire state of our audience? No. Option number two, wait. It's the wait. And that's what we've been preaching on the show. Wow. This whole thing was an exercise in you telling people you were right? Mm-hmm. That's very arrogant of you. <laughs> but this is, so then, so then here's what they cited on, on option number two, waiting. Zillow's chief economist, Skylar Olson, says prices will remain stagnant or even rise modestly by 2023. I would say check the source. Zillow.com. What do we yeah. know about Zillow.com? Yep. Their data is dog shit. Right. And Every single time, 100% of the time, their data is 100% dog shit. And guess who second their opinion? Uh, Someone from the NASA, National, National Association, Association of Realtors. Realtors. That's yep. a shocker. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, uh, this girl that I'm sleeping with is super hot. Let her tell you. I'm super hot. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. That, that's what that is. Yeah, and, and uh, she was citing that there's a tight supply. But, however, on the flip side, Moody's came out and said, you can anticipate home prices to drop by 15%. All right, so I got a bone to pick here. And this is not on the show notes, and you probably walked into this and didn't know it. Mm-hmm. But I'm still mad at Mark Zandy, and I know you listen to the show, bro. We can have this conversation offline <laughs> because the only reason you won't come on the show is because you know I have an expletive-filled rage, and you feel like it's unprofessional. Mm-hmm. So I just want you to know, from the bottom of my heart to you, you can kiss my ass. <laughs> but if you came on the show, we'll keep it clean. I promise. He might. I will not. I'll be. I'll be cordial. So. We I originally tried to have this debate with mm-hmm. Mr. Zandy, who is a very educated, very talented economist. And don't let my sarcasm and humor fool you. I do hate him. <laughs> <laughs> he snubbed me hard for the show, and yeah. I, I'll, I'll probably never get over it. But that being said, he has readjusted this number. So mm-hmm. early in the year, Moody's and Mark Zandy were saying that home prices would stay relatively flat through mm-hmm. 2023. Yeah. And they've since subsequently adjusted that. And I, this keeps bothering me because this is the trend that we see in the media and we see all over the place with articles that are sensational. And it just, it burns my soul. Okay. Because the economists are so hesitant to take a risk 
You know, and it, look, we took some calculated risks with some predictions throughout the year. Right. I think our predictions as of the last couple of months have been backed off a little bit because we don't feel comfortable enough based on what we're seeing. Things like CPI, right? Yes. I didn't feel comfortable making the prediction. I don't think you did either. No. And I'm glad we didn't because it came out at 7.1, even though it leaked on Monday. Probably wouldn't have called that. Right. But these people who are supposed to be ingratiated in this are so eager to protect their their reputations, I guess, and, and to be conservative on some level and not jump the gun. Yeah. There, there was clearly signs that housing prices were going to go. If you and I, two mm-hmm. morons who have a podcast, <laughs> a top 1% rated podcast, yeah. by you, if we could figure this out, right? you know Mark Zandy knew. He knows better. But I will say this. What would you rather have them do? Clearly, you know, Zillow has the information to adjust their predictions. No, Zillow's in not. bed with the National Association of Realtors, and their whole... Their whole thing is a sales pitch. So, Zillow, Zillow's job, like, what's the uh, Keeping Current Matters, the, the Instagram page that I hate? Mm-hmm. They sell data to realtors so that realtors can to turn around and use that data to sell their clients. Right. So it's always got the rhetoric of making the realtors happy and making the realtors' clients want to buy. Give, giving them false Zillow hopes. is no different. They sell leads to realtors. Right. Redfin doesn't quite work the same way. That's why their data has been more historically reliable, at least in my opinion, right. than Zillow has. Mm-hmm. Zillow's finding that rosy, optimistic star and everything. Well, guess what? I don't think that's right. That's biased. That's yeah. exactly what this show stands against. Yep, exactly. Episode 100, everybody. We're <laughs> here to support you supporting you. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. I like the energy. I'm gassed up. Yeah. Speaking of gassed up, you want to take a little trip over to the Data Deli? Oh, let's go. I like this guy. So my man Dave Meyer is on Bigger Pockets. I believe he has some some work that he does there uh, for the podcast as well. But he's written a book. If you haven't checked it out, you should check it out. He lives in Europe and he is an economist of sorts. Even though I don't think he talks about himself in that, in that way. So he talks about these. There are two ways to measure housing prices, and he gets into a, a nice little Instagram rhetoric about it that I'm going to play for you now. Housing prices are up. Or are they down? Why is this so confusing? Well, there's actually two different ways to measure housing prices, month over month and year over year. And right now we're getting different signals from each measurement. Here's the difference. During normal times, you want to look at year over year data because the housing market is seasonal and year over year data pulls out that seasonality. As of right now, housing prices are still up about 1.4% year over year, according to Redfin. But we all know these are not normal times, and so we have to look at more granular monthly data. And when we look at that, what we see is that since June, on a monthly average, housing prices are falling. They've come down about 9.5% since their peak in June, which is much more than the normal seasonal decline of 5-7%. to To get the real picture, you have to look at these two data points together. And together, what they say is that housing prices are falling, but they are not in freefall. Personally, I still think the most likely scenario for 2023 is that we see modest single-digit declines on a year-over-year basis for the national housing market. Okay, so I'll cut them off there because I think that's really the gist of it. But what I will say is this also brings up another pain point for me that you, the listener, and everybody out there can often fall victim to. Mm -hmm. Nine times out of ten, you're going to see somebody in a sector want to use the best data to frame their position because they have a pre-existing bias and then they go look for data to support that pre-existing bias, that confirmation bias. Right. But the problem is, is there is there are oftentimes other data which is clearly indicative that that confirmation bias that you're getting is kind of the last leg of data. 
mm-hmm. the last leg of what's happening. And this is a great example. Year over year is not exactly an accurate picture right now because you know since June, home prices have continued to fall. And if you recall the article from Fortune, 58 markets across the U.S., all with housing declines, the largest one north of 12%, right. the smallest one, 0.05%. Mm-hmm. So I look at this and I say to myself, yeah, Dave Ramsey can try to make a pitch that that he's in a we're in a better situation and that home values are always going to go up. But the reality is that pitch is misleading and materially inaccurate. Right. You don't see an apology from Dave Ramsey. You don't see him coming out saying, I, I was wrong. Uh, I, I overstated the market. And you could buy a lot of political currency by being honest with your base and telling them, hey, I messed up. But he doesn't want to do that because he's driving commissions. Exactly. He has that ulterior motive, which is why he manipulates the data for confirmation bias. Right. That's why he puts on these giant press conferences and he frames these things. It's not just for views. It's he's trying to sell you. Exactly. And that's why I thought, you know, this post that you put in the show notes was so important was from the Data Deli that we always cite these things, whether it's home prices or CPI, PPI, whatever it is we're talking about, we talk about year-over-year year data and we talk about month-over-month month data and why it's, it was important for him to break down you know the, the difference between the two and why you should know the difference between them and you all should go and check out dave meyer's instagram it is at that the, the data deli uh, at instagram really really good content i'm a huge fan mm-hmm. and i will say he and i've exchanged uh, a couple really really interesting conversations uh both personally in the dms and on some of his posts you owe it to yourself if you like this show you'll probably like his content too you will yeah um, and to piggyback off that a little bit, I, don't know, I put an article in the show notes. I don't that, read your that, articles in that the show kind of, notes. That kind of ties into this, right? You see that thing on home builder sentiment drops for the four, uh, 12th month, for the 12th straight month. Yeah. And last time I checked, that's an entire year, kids. <laughs> yeah. Lowest level since 2012, according to the National Association of Home Builders. Sentiment weakest in the West where, where prices were the highest. Yeah, and I so we saw this trend early, early on without really recognizing it that it was trending the way that it was, and mm-hmm. I still think that this is going to be indicative of more to come in 2023. 100%. We saw early that the West Coast was getting impacted far more than the Midwest and, and the East Coast, mm-hmm. which was shocking to me at the time because in early, I want to say April or May, I had just gone on that trip to Miami and saw cranes everywhere. They were building multifamily apartments everywhere in Miami. Right. So it was kind of unbelievable to me at the time that that they could have a sustained growth even through what we're seeing on the West Coast is a really hard time. But that that's just where the data fell. Mm-hmm. Right. So Arizona, California, the Pacific Northwest, all of this has had had some pretty palpable declines. San Jose is, the, I think, the largest decrease in home values across the country as yep, far as cities go. Exactly. I think they were a little over twelve percent so far. So year far. To date. Right. Um, and the article went on further to cite that about 62% of the builders are using incentives to bolster their sales, including providing mortgage rate buy-downs, paying points for buyers, and offering price reductions. Um, yep. And maybe you can break down a little bit what those mortgage rate buy-downs are and how that impacts the, the buyers. I really don't feel like helping you help yourself. Come on. Come on, bro. Okay. For those of you that don't know, mortgage buy-downs is when a borrower pays more money up front to secure a more manageable lower interest rate for the first few years of their mortgage. Oh, that's so articulate. See, isn't it funny how I you how had that prep? I, isn't isn't it funny how I knew Chris wasn't gonna help you, me? You had that prep. I threw you the alley, you knowing did. knowing you wouldn't. You'd be your normal arrogant self. No, no, no. <laughs> See, I've caught on. I've caught on to this shit now. You try to make me look arrogant by knowing the definition, asking me to uh-huh. give it, and then whenever I do it colloquially, you kind of come over Col- the top. Col- with your, colloquially, with, yeah, I'm using big SAT words, bro. <laughs> big SAT. Not because I'm arrogant, because I'm intelligent. Yeah. Get off me. Yeah. Get off. <laughs> it's called a hip check, bro. There you go. Welcome to the league. Okay, 
let's move on before. Actually, you know what? Let's let's, let's harken back to an episode we talked about. I think more indicative than the twelve month uh, of the builder sentiment going down for the last year, yeah. month over month. I think the five thousand uh, that we talked about units being sold, yeah, to uh, large oh, landlords, in, in, institutional buyers, institutional right? buyers, yeah. large landlords right. from home builders. I thought that was more more concerning, frankly. Yeah, that all these things you just talked about—the I never the, heard the builder of that upgrades, all that stuff—I think that's more of a problem because what what you're doing is now you're, the builders are saying, "Fuck it, it is not working. Our incentives, yeah. our buy downs, we're not selling enough. Right, we got to move a lot of inventory. How do we do it fast? Right, let's go to a large landlord and let's do a bulk sale to them because they want to buy it and rent this out. Can you imagine moving into a neighborhood, yeah. in the suburbs of a city, and realizing that every single house there is a rental? Exactly. Like, how weird is that? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's not that's not the American dream. That's certainly not normal. Right. But I mean, it's happening across the country where you know companies like BlackRock who bought a ton, and even even Chase said they're going to buy a billion dollars or something like that. Right. Some crazy ass amount. I remember what it was, but mm-hmm. they're going they're going to buy. So everybody's buying in the single family. This, this once was the American dream. It was supposed to be this untouchable asset class that that was for the consumer to buy to live in, and there was there was apartments that that was the investment vehicle, and now this has really pivoted a lot to where people are investing in single family, mm-hmm. and the question is, is this pushing out the middle class? Right. Because in in theory, this recessionary economy more than any other economy we've been through will do a good job of wiping out the middle class. Yeah. It's it's gonna it's gonna hit the middle class really hard. Because we're gonna we're gonna ignore like that just didn't happen. Yeah, bro. I think my wrists are getting so fat that it's hitting, it's hitting the switch on Siri. And this has hey, happened on a number I, of times. I saw, I saw it happen on your on your YouTube post. Too. Yeah, it did too. Like, I think I'm fat, and like I think my wrists are so chunky now. I think, I think, the, uh, yeah, I think your watch is telling you your blood sugar wrist, levels are, going, are going fat crazy. Is hitting the side. It's really inappropriate, man. Like I, I wish I could turn Siri off, but it's yeah. it's just not good, man. It's been happening a lot. Try to tap in, and it's at the point now where it happens like three, four times a day, and I keep trying to tell myself my watch is broken instead of I'm getting fat. Yeah. But I got wrist fat. Yeah. Like it's a thing. And <laughs> I'm thing. I'm on a diet. And then I come here with you guys and I'm trying to like, you know, hey, let's do a show. Let's be gassed up for episode one hundred. And you start pouring alcohol and I'm like, damn it, this is why I'm fat. <laughs> it's my fault. This right it is your fault. Yeah, I blame me. Yeah, this is your only way to make you feel good about yourself is to keep tearing me down. I I'm arrogant. You. <laughs> I'm fat. Come on, man. You know the real definition. Come I on. only know the colloquialisms. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everyone everyone loves you, man. Come on. Yeah, not don't, according to your reviews, Joshua sen- CPA. Don't be so sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you gonna offend Joshua? No, look, I, I will. I, I'm sorry, AKA Said Omar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, more layoffs in the sector. I brought this one up, and I thought about whether I should bring it up or not because I felt like it was overly negative. But I really do feel like going into the end of the year, people thought that the layoffs were done, and yeah. we we really started to try to tell people. Not to be so rosy and optimistic because we thought in 2023, in the early first couple quarters, you were going to see a, a round of layoffs. And I'm going to go out on the record now. I'm going to make a prediction. Yeah. We haven't talked about this. I hope you feel comfortable. You've been Lori and I got nothing at risk. You got everything at risk. Okay. I do think you're going to see a significant round of layoffs in Q1 across many sectors that have yet to have yep. them. I put an article on this too. The Goldman Sachs came out and said it as well. Yeah. Goldman Sachs is, I think it was 4,000 employees as well. Yeah. 8% of their staff, which yeah. equates to around 4,000 jobs. The layoff will impact every division of their bank. Yeah. And I think this is going to be the largest, uh, largest set of layoffs in Wall Street. And so I would imagine more people will follow suit. Yeah. Well, I, I think that there's a lot of people that are probably planning it, but they want to get past Q4 before they announce it. Yeah. 
You exactly. Know? And I, they're probably doing stuff internally. And some of the stuff will probably leak a little bit, but mm -hmm. I really think that the second Friday of January is where we're going to start to see a whole lot of this. Right. People will be back, they have a week, settle in, and then boom, I think you're going to start to see a lot more. Yeah. So in this article, which Syed rudely interrupted me on from Forbes, <laughs> tech layoffs, Cisco announces mass layoffs, 4,100 employees cut. So this week, Cisco started implementing layoffs, totaling only 5% of their workforce compared to eight uh, at Goldman there. At the same time, Cisco is actively hiring for new roles. The company says this is part of a restructuring in workers it cannot place internally will receive severance packages. Mm. Recently, the tech sector has been making headlines for layoffs. While noteworthy, it doesn't mean these employee employment losses represent the job market as a whole. So three sentences, but a lot to unpack. There, yeah, there's a lot there. So what I'll start with is we went through an era where, and I think the tech sector really led the way in this, where the employees got a lot because the companies of, were getting really, really rough. A lot of perks. A yeah. lot of perks. Yeah, exactly. A lot of perks. Signing and bonuses. Work from home. All these things became really prevalent during the pandemic. Right. Another prediction I'll make is you're going to see a dramatic reversal in work from home and companies' willingness to entertain it. Yeah. Like the, the housing market where it shifts from a seller's market to now a buyer's market, which is what we're seeing in, in this economy. Yeah. The job market will shift from an employee demand market to mm -hmm. an employer demand yeah, market. Yeah, absolutely. Now, right now that with unemployment creeping up and people not having as much flexibility, that you're going to have to abide by, by these rules. Now, explain to people, being as you're an executive at a bank, you know, why it would be more important for you know, a company to want their staff inside. Because I know that some of the numbers show that people are actually more productive working from home. I think they are. I think there's a lot of people who are. Yeah. Um, I can tell you my number one example for this has always been the same, and it's the same to this day. If you're working from home and you're getting FaceTime with your boss and you're doing great things, let me ask you one key question. Yeah. Do you think you have the same probability of a promotion as somebody who works in the office with your boss every single day? No. Why? Yeah. If you're doing just as good a job as that person in the office, why wouldn't you have the same probability of promotion? There's always, I always feel like in, in every aspect of life, not just work, that there's always that human factor, that human element, right? Because relationships are the truest form of currency. Exactly. And a relationship that is not tangible, mm -hmm. a material, actual connect, a tactile seeing somebody, right, is very different from a relationship over a screen, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And I'll give you a great example, which is kind of a, a pivot, but I think it sets the example really well. If you're breaking up with somebody in person, yeah, it's a lot harder than breaking up with them over Facetime. Yeah. You can hit the end button. Yeah, exactly. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Listen, Felicia, I'm done. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Felicia, and then hang up. You know, that, that, that's effectively. What, but that that's as simple as a rudimentary like level of, of, of sophistication. It's much easier to disconnect from the emotions of a human relationship without the tactile closeness of being in front of them. Yeah. Absolutely. God damn, I sound God smart damn, right there. Bro. Woo! Yeah, I mean, you take that episode off, 100. You, I came you, in hard, boy. Came, hey, relax. Yeah. A lot of sexual undertone with you again. Every episode. Yeah. I want. I want. I came in hard. I came in hard. <laughs> Grab it. Flip it. Rub it down. Oh, stop. So, um, so far, there have been more than 91,000 workers in the U.S. tech sector that have been laid off in mass job cuts so far in 2022. Mm -hmm. That's according to Crunchbase News Tally. Yeah. And I think the the tech sector was the first hit. I think uh, finance sector is going to be was a pretty significant second hit. I think you're going to start seeing the other sectors really impacted. I think travel, consumer mm -hmm. spending, I think retail, a lot of these sectors are going to have layoffs. But let me let me actually use this as a way to show how corporations can be very smart. 
Okay, because I want because I got another one to add on to this after this. Go ahead. All right. Uh, and I haven't read your show notes, so I don't know if this impedes on what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah. But it is not uncommon for a smart company mm-hmm. to say, okay, in the sector right now, let, let's think about this from the context of a publicly traded company. Right. If you're a publicly traded company, you're Cisco, you're Bank of America, mm-hmm. you're Meta. A- Apple, yeah. Apple, whoever, right? right? You have to worry a lot about a, diff- a bunch of different people. But first and foremost, it's Wall Street. Yes. Because the value of your company is based on the value perceived by the shareholder and them driving your share price. A lot of what you do can impact the share price, which impacts your company's value pretty dramatically. Right. So you have to think about the optics. However, if everybody else in the space is announcing layoffs and it's expected that certain cost-cutting measures in the form of human capital and salaries mm-hmm. are the smart thing to do to right-size your ship for the market. Yeah, Having a round of layoffs could be perceived to be a good thing and a smart, responsible, fiduciary thing yeah. for you to do as an executive. However, we... there's more. Yeah, There's more. I like cutting you off. It makes me feel good about myself. Yeah. A smart company will also see this as an opportunity to cull the weeds, to mm-hmm. clean up. And the way they do that is they take their top 10%, they have their bottom 10%, and they have the middle, right? Mm -hmm. You clean out that bottom 10%, anybody who might be an HR issue who's in there, anybody who might be a problem for you that's in there, anybody that's an issue, as part of a reduction in force, that's generally the strategy employed by these large companies, Mm -hmm. is they'll do a reduction in force and they'll wrap up all their problems. You know who can teach a master class on this? Mm -hmm. American Express. Really? American Express has been masterful at cleaning up the bottom 10%, mm. anybody who's an HR issue, anybody who's got you know a potential litigation liability, stuff like that, to wrap that all into a reduction in force every single time they do it. it yeah. they, could, they, could, they could teach a class. I remember it. when um, Meta first announced their 11,000 you know, job Which is cuts. a massive amount of people. That is a massive amount of people um, that I think the, in the next day or within the upcoming days, their stock price did go up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's perceived by the market to be a smart and prudent thing to do. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of things that are really indicative to people who are in, in the secondary market space, Wall Street, right? Mm-hmm. If you change your earnings per share, you drop it, right? If you change your dividend, mm-hmm. if you drop it. These things are easy calls. But if you're doing things like this, which can at sometimes optically sound bad to the consumer, they're going to say, okay, why are they laying people off? They're laying people off because they're trying to improve performance, improve efficiency, and reduce costs. This is not like Elon Musk going in and firing half the staff. Yeah. The numbers sound big. 4,100 jobs at Cisco. Yeah. It's 5% of their workforce. Yeah. 4,000 jobs at Goldman. Yeah. That's 8%, 8% of their workforce. Yeah. So these are not significant enough numbers for anybody to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm down there, Elon Musk. Let's not let yeah, everybody go. Yeah. They're not turning off the lights, shutting the doors, but yeah. Or bringing in a kitchen sink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let it sink in. Um, so the the article that that I saw was, I guess, Washington. Uh, the Washington Post had their like town hall meeting, like days after they had some a round of layoffs, and one of their publishers came up on, on the podium, and people had submitted questions. The staff had submitted questions, and they recently lost like five hundred thousand subscribers. You know, and like like all like most companies in this space, a lot of their revenues on advertisement. Right, people are scaling back their advertisements. So somebody asked a question about layoffs and if if they're protected, right? And he said there will be substantial job cuts to come. Yeah, at their at their town hall meeting. Yeah, look, I mean, 
so there's two two perspectives on that, right? Okay. I feel like that that's fucking terrible. Now you're going into the holiday and people. But that's are- honest, though. Would you rather him? So here's the thing: is I get this a lot. I get this a lot from people. As an executive at a publicly traded company, there are things that I have a fiduciary responsibility not to disclose. Yeah, no, I get that. Right? It's hard not to, and it's borderline lying sometimes. Mm -hmm. And people don't always understand that I'm not trying to lie to you. I'm not trying to manipulate the truth, but I'm limited on what I can say to you. And and here's here's the dual-edged sword. If I tell you I can't discuss it, or I'm somewhat curt in my response, Mm -hmm. I'm an asshole, or I'm being dishonest or misleading. Right. Or if I tell you the absolute truth, yeah. I violate my fiduciary there's responsibility. No, yeah, there's no, there's winning. no way to win. So I look at someone like that and I say, okay, is he being honest? Yeah. Right. He is. Is, yeah, it, exactly. is it the wrong time? It might be the wrong time, but here's that, that, I guess that's the question, right? So um, years ago, my brother-in-law had me watch this show um, on HBO. It had to do with football like during the preseason. Uh, Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks, yeah. Hard Knocks, right? right? And all these guys are fighting for the last few spots um, on the team. And something that I found fascinating was the way they would let these players go that they built such great relationships with. Yo, I've seen that. I saw the one with the Eagles too. I mean, every single time I see one of those, the, it's the hard fucking heart wrenching, dude. Bro, these guys got all their heart, their soul, their life, their livelihood, their family. Everybody's they, depending on them. And they give you all the backstory with their family. They got the kids, and involved. it's so unilateral. It's like, yeah, yeah, man, it's not gonna work out. No, There's the door right there. Not even do so. They'll have them. They'll call them in after a day's worth of practice where they where they've used them. Before he puts one foot in the door, he's like, we're letting you go today. Boom. Oh, I haven't seen him that, that hard. No, that's and, – and and so they actually brought this up on the show. But they know, though. And you they get asked, called in the office like that randomly, it, you kind of know. I mean, I mean, they, they're not showing the times where they're calling them into the office and they're talking about – Okay, but you, you walked into the office because somebody called you in. You, you kind of have to know something's up. Yeah. I mean, they've also never made the team before, so maybe they're saying, hey, we're giving you a spot on the team. Who knows, right? But uh, resoundingly, across the board, everyone says – We'd rather be shot in the head, right? And told me right as I walk in, than you sitting around and like pussyfooting around the fact that, um, yeah. So uh, we're gonna have to think about uh, uh letting you go today. Uh, no, you just gotta tell me, shoot me in the head, and let it be done. Yeah, but the problem is in the real world of business, you yeah. can't do it that way. Yeah, I know. In the real world of business, you can't be like, hey, Tim, this is uh, Chris from uh, the banking group. I, I just want to let you know, I'm calling to fire you. Yeah. Uh, have a good day. No, 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 no. It, it's it's all filled with with the this narrative. We are choosing to separate from you, Timmy, uh, and the reason why yeah. is, although I will tell you, there's been uh, a number of instances in 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 my past where I've never gotten to the why because somebody usually told me to go fuck myself, hung up on me. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, and it doesn't matter how how nice you are. There's a visceral human emotion. Here's the crazy thing, and, and I, again, I'll I'll say it, and I know this sounds a little, little callous, but I don't mean it to be. Right. We have a three point seven percent unemployment currently. Right. I do believe unemployment is going to rise, and it is a lagging indicator. It's probably higher than that. Right. Being laid off is tough. Mm-hmm. But don't burn your bridge. Exactly. Ending a relationship right. like that. Right. Like, you got to have a certain degree of, of professionalism, because you don't know who would co-sign you, even though you, you they have to let you go. Exactly. It's just, it's mind-boggling to me how people take this as a unilateral, like, anger mm-hmm. and, like, exit. It, it's You don't have to exit that way. Right. I people agree. do, though. A lot of people do. I agree. Yeah. But it's also, it's a catch-22 um, for this guy that at the town hall meeting, right? They they had all the employees submit their questions. You know, I don't know, dozens of people were asking, probably had questions about layoffs. If he doesn't answer the question, they're left with the same amount of worry, right? Yeah, but so here's the thing. How's it, what if he, he doesn't answer the question and he skirts the issue 
What if he chooses to lie? Yeah. What? How are you gonna? How are you gonna judge him later on? I make fun of that. The former, or I think it's still the current, Better dot com CEO. Oh yeah, yeah. Vishal, yeah. whatever the hell his name mortgage, is. Mortgage company, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I make fun of that guy a lot because he's the most, world's most punchable face. Yeah. And he he's done some bullshit things like laying off everybody via via Zoom and stuff like that. Yeah. And as, as critical and harsh as I am on him because he doesn't strike me as a leader or a person who gives a shit about anybody. Right. That's a really tough position to be in. Yeah, of course. Everybody wants to be the boss until they have to do boss things. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah. tough, man. Right. There there are things that you have to do. That was months ago too, man. He got out, he got out in front of it. Saw the writing on the wall. No, they were just right? they were over leveraged, frankly. A lot of the, the mortgage companies were laying off around the same time. He wasn't unique at that time period. No. Yeah, a lot. Of, so the problem, non-bank lenders, ago, their yeah. capital increase, their capital costs for for funding went up real quick. Yeah. So they they anytime there's interest rate increases in the economy, yeah, just like one. Yeah. At twenty five base points, it's a challenge for them. Seventy five base points, multiple times. Forget about yeah, it. Yeah. Call it a wrap. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So I can talk about this topic all day long, but I, I wanted to cover a topic, and I posted this in the show notes, and I know you had a. The change afterward, but I think you missed something, and I missed it too the first time I checked this out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got I got more stuff on this too. I know, but I want to see if you caught this or not first. Okay, let's go. So I was actually using Twitter when this when this post came up. Mm -hmm. So according to The Verge, Twitter abruptly bans all links to Instagram, Mastodon, and other competitors. The platform will still allow paid promotion of these banned social platforms. However. Basically saying, if you want to pay to advertise these, we'll let you do it, but we're not going to let you link to these outside sources. Yeah, so I got I got the, the actual tweet. You want me to read it? Yeah. So, so it said that's where that's where the thing to find is. Go yeah. Ahead. So Twitter support came out and tweeted. This was shortly after Elon had that poll on whether he should step down as CEO, or which not. he 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 lost. He lost right fifty seven. I and do half. believe. Let's take a little sidebar here. Uh-huh. I do believe that he only posted that because he's named and found he's found and placed a CEO yes. that he's yet to name. Yeah, and he already he already knew that that was going to happen, and because there was there's been real issue with, with you know some of the Tesla investors right with him mm-hmm. running this, and their stock price was starting to take a hit. Right? Yeah, yeah. So um, sorry so, for the sidebar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I agree. And then right after that. Twitter support came out and tweeted, we recognize that many of our users are active on other social media platforms. However, we will no longer allow free promotion of certain social media platforms on Twitter. Specifically, we will remove accounts created solely for the purpose of promoting other social platforms and content that contains links or usernames for the following platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Mastodon, Truth Social, Tribal, I don't even know this one, Noster, and post. You so know, you, did you notice one that was missing? Yeah, I knew a couple that were missing. TikTok missing. TikTok missing, and I believe uh, YouTube was not in there. So you can link your YouTube still and Rumble. Mm. Rumble was also missing. So an interesting choice. Like, why just those? Why not all of them? Right? Why not all of them? So, so basically, just to give an example before uh, before we get into that is you couldn't post something like follow me on at blank Instagram. Yeah. Right? So I immediately did that on YouTube. Yeah. I literally, I immediately posted a YouTube video that I didn't wait because I was like, you know what? If I'm going to get banned, this is how I'm going to go out. Right. Did you also notice that Twitter's official platform now has a yellow or a goldish colored um, check mark now? No, no, I didn't. I yeah, didn't so that. now they have colors. So now it used to be blue only. So they're getting rid of the official now that that gray official gray thing. They keep switching up. Is this getting crazy confusing for people? It's getting crazy confusing. And now it's a gold icon. So basically, it's a gold check mark, mm-hmm. which again, you're not. If everybody can buy a blue check mark, 
what's the value in the blue check mark? He's now taking this thing that was, oh, cool, I want one, I'm going to get one, I'm going to pay $8 a month for it. Right. And he's now eviscerated because everybody's going to want the yellow check mark. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is so stupid. It's so stupid. But he's got to find a way to, to, you know, create some revenue, right? This thing is, I mean, uh, a walking time bomb. Perhaps. Right? I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. But if so why? So what's the conspiratorial reason that um, he allowed TikTok? You think? Because a lot of the the investors in him are Chinese. They got to give him the capital to buy it. Mm. I think there, there's some Chinese backroots there. Mm-hmm. My best guess, but yeah, I also don't see a whole lot of cross promotion of TikTok on Twitter. Yeah. I do see a ton of Instagram. Yeah, on Twitter. Right. So the the, the best part about this was that uh, Jack Torsey tweeted so they they had posted the policy actually on twitter's official page Mm -hmm. jack dorsey responded to it saying doesn't make sense because it didn't i mean so i get if like your if your account is just reposting stuff from another account like so there's there's a there's basically bots that you can set up or you know pages that you can have do this and it's an automated process where it pushes your instagram every time you post on instagram it pushes directly to twitter yes i get that that if that's your only input on twitter mm-hmm. we're gonna block you because you're not actively using twitter it's just kind of a legacy push like archive for you right i get that but i don't get how if you're a social media creator you're a patrick bed david for example yes and you've got a YouTube, you've got an Instagram, you've got a Twitter, you've got all these different platforms. What's wrong with you cross-promoting your brands? Well, that's that's exactly what happened. Apparently, I can't remember who it was, but somebody random uh, that was running a business, on, you know, using all the platforms to help aid his business, responded to Elon, and Elon was having a back-and-forth conversation with him. Like, hey, man, I, I'm really pro- I'm using all these platforms to promote my business and showing him, like, giving him details and examples. And Elon was responding back to him like, oh, it's a good point. I, I didn't think of it like that. And and then later that night, he they reverse it. Yeah, man. So here, here's the here's the thing I'll tell people: the construct, the ideology of free speech, yes, is not what it once was. It gets real murky. Yeah. It's very very murky. And let me tell you why: the idea of a public forum, historically, from a constitutional perspective, was always meant to be a town square or talking in a newspaper and things like that. Right. But so much of this has become so heavily privatized. Yes. Twitter is a private company. It's not even publicly traded at this point in time. Right. Instagram is a publicly traded company, but it's owned by people, not the government. Yes. They can say, we will accept you, we will not. It is not a public form, even though Mm. almost all the public's on it. Right. So it's very murky. In the days of the internet and free speech have very much clouded this because if I want to go in and delete your comment because... I like Funyuns and you're talking about Doritos and I won't let you post about Doritos. Right. I can do that. Yeah. It's my platform. Yeah. That that's what and that's what's so scary about Elon Musk's control of this for mm-hmm. a lot of people. It doesn't matter if you're conservative, liberal, Republican, think, Democrat. But there think, are some serious concerns here. I think I think what's seriously concerning though is when things start to get banned when it's reflects one political party and you know doesn't it helps but one. Anything not the other. can be spun to reflect a a party. Right. That that's the sick twisted thing exactly. here. Exactly. Any of this could be fodder to feed into things. It's like the data for the National Association of Realtors. Right. Anyone could easily take the confirmation bias route mm-hmm. or the opposite data route. It's just it's just what they want to report on. Right. And that's what makes me so frustrated with a lot of what we're seeing here. And look, kudos to him that they're they're willing to put out a rule, try it, and then back off when it doesn't work. Yeah. That actually takes a lot more courage, I think, than people realize. Yeah. But what I will say is is you still have the public forum challenge. Yeah. How far are you going to let people talk about things that are not exactly appropriate for for most people's 
perspective. Like, yeah, I'll use some examples. Um, uh, you, you're gonna let somebody talk about beating children. Yeah. Are you gonna let somebody talk about cheating on their wives? I mean, right. Where do you draw the line? Are you let somebody talk about racial, you know, racially biased but there's, stuff? There's, when, when do you draw the line? Where, who decides where is too far? Right. And there's that classic law case too, right? That I'm sure you're aware of that you remember from law school uh, 40 years ago. Um, <laughs> that was meant to be hurtful. <laughs> I'm not gonna allow you to get to me tonight because yeah. this is the 100th episode, baby. You can't just run into a, a building and yell fire. No, you can't. Yeah. So, I mean, there are rules around free freedom of speech. Yeah. You know, so to what extent and who navigates that and who puts like controls on what you can say, what can, that, that's, it, it's a tough job. It's a tough job. And that's why I saw Patrick Beth David literally try to nominate himself for the job <laughs> or Twitter CEO. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In my first year, I would do X, Y, and Z. I thought to myself like, yo. Yeah. Come on, man. You got a good thing going, bro. Don't, don't, like, don't. Fuck you're this good up. doing you. Don't yeah. be this guy like trying to pimp yourself out to, yeah. to, to Twitter. To, to see, come on, meow. Yeah. I was like, this is, this is not the way, Patrick. Yeah. Come on. PBD, say it ain't so. Yeah. I almost wanted to respond to his tweet saying, nah, dog, I'm better. <laughs> <laughs> we were better for a day. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm better than you. Yeah. Oh, for, for the, the top 200? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we were there for like two days. Yeah, two days. Yeah, I counted down. Like yeah. the, the end of day two, we were out, but I was, yeah. I didn't want to tell you right away, so I hey. waited like a solid five minutes. We'll be back. Oh, I'm pretty sure we're back right now. The internet, we broke the internet. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah. Charts aren't updated. I'm going to start calling myself Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> I broke it. Great movie. It was a great movie. I've seen yeah. it 6,000 times. Dude, it's so cool because I've never used to watch these movies, but having a son and a daughter now, I get introduced to them. I'm like, damn it, I've been missing out. Bro, I watch all of them on repeat yeah. over and over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Although I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. There's I'll some say, that I like. I'll say the one that I really dislike, though, because we introduced it maybe a little too early, was this uh, Lilo and Stitch one. I didn't like that one. I that hated much. that one. And it, it, there was a scene, there was a part that was kind of dark. And then the little creature or whatever had my son acting wild. Yeah, because the creature acts wild. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like Jason Bateman in Zootopia. Oh, that's a great movie. It's a great movie. Great movie. Very underrated. Yeah. Very underrated. Mm -hmm. Let's see. What else do I like? Oh, so I had this, actually had this discussion. So as far as series goes, Toy Story, game time, over. The whole series. I only, right? I only watched Toy Story 1 and 2. And okay, shame on you. Get out of the room. Number. No, I feel like that's appropriate. Bro. No, best movie, though, of, out of all of them is Coco. Coco's solid. Coco's yeah. so good, man. Coco's solid. Yeah. Well, Mama Coco. If you, haven't, if, if you haven't seen it, it'll bring you to Miguel! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I went to Disneyland, not Disney World, Disneyland. Yeah, because oh, you've gone to both. You know, fall so hard, yeah. right? <laughs> damn, damn near broke my ankles in <laughs> Disney World. <laughs> Chris, how did you get arthritis in your ankles? Well, <laughs> what happened, son? Was. It goes back to that time I took you to Disney World and walked for eight fucking days. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, I don't know how you did that. It was insane. I had, yeah. I mean, I had every possible remedy, and by the end of it, feet up. Yeah. Ice on the ankles, to the <laughs> popping ibuprofen, drinking alcohol every day. <laughs> and then to be the last day, I didn't care what it cost to get alcohol in the Magic Kingdom. I'm like, I don't care if it's $100 a seat. Let's go. Yeah, they do that on purpose. We, we drinking. And that, yeah. then, now we have a lovely port to commemorate the matter. Yeah, that's actually a great port. Yeah, it is a great port. We I went I went to uh, I went to the store to get it again today and it wasn't there. Mm -mm. Yeah. My wife ordered it. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Sometimes it's a need-to-know only basis. Oh, my bad. You're bad. Well... We do have a lot more to talk about, and there's there's so much good good here. Yeah, I didn't see this one. Oh, that's because I added it last minute. Oh, because I like to be controversial and surprising at the same time. <laughs> okay, let's go. 
For episode 100, I'd like to say I have a gift to give to you, the listener. Okay. So take a moment to appreciate this if you're driving. You know, keep your eyes on the road. Yeah. But turn the volume up a little bit. It's about to get sexy and serious all at the same time. Okay. Okay is not enough. Let's go. There we go. It's episode one fucking hundred. One hundred, baby. One hundo. Let's keep it one hundred. Keep it a buck. Buck. Is that what the kids say? No, I don't know. Keep it like a, like a one hundred. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's what they say. Yeah, keep it a buck. We're not. I should call my brother for this. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> international drug conspiracy used Binance or Binance Binance to launder millions. DEA investigation finds. Wow. Oh, it gets better. Hold on there, sweet cheeks. According to Forbes, a methamphetamine and cocaine gang sounds like a legitimate business source. I don't know what's the problem. <laughs> operating across the U.S., Mexico, Europe, and Australia, internationally mm-hmm. operating. Sounds like a small organization. No, no. <laughs> Use the world's biggest cryptocurrency exchange, Binance, to but- launder tens of millions. In drug proceeds. Wow. According to an ongoing investigation by the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration. Wow. But wait, there's more. The previously unreported case provides rare insights into how Mexican-based narcotics dealers are increasingly looking to cryptocurrency as a means to obscure illicit business transactions. At the same time, it shows federal agencies moving to track illegal use of cryptocurrency once touted as untraceable. Ask SBF how that worked out for him. Yeah, exactly. And how closely they work with exchanges like Binance to track organized crime through Binance itself, though Binance itself is facing a federal probe over concerns about money laundering on its platform. So my immediate first thought when I read this, can you guess what it was? No. What? If there are tens of millions of dollars from international methamphetamine and cocaine-based gangs. Right. There was close to, if not the same, in FTX, which reinforces my entire theory about Sam Bankman Fried. Yeah. He gonna die. <laughs> it's over for him. He dead. Yeah. Meanwhile, this so this came out and uh Binance agreed to buy Voyager. Yeah. For a yeah. bill for a billy. Yeah, and let me tell you right now, that sounds strikingly similar to what FTX was doing before they went down. Right. By anybody who can look into you and expose you. So that they assimilate into you and can't talk shit. Something something happened with SBF today too. Yeah, he his extradition started. So. Started well, what they were gonna extradite him. Yeah, and then I think he he went back to jail because he said, "I'm not gonna leave. I don't. I'm not gonna agree to leave until I see the indictment." <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I, that's not how it works, Chief. I know what's going on. He knows he's gonna die. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, exactly. He's like, "Shit, I'm gonna die." I'm going to die soon. This is not good. So the conduct that's being alleged against him, conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Do we have to say alleged at this point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Is that really something that we have to <laughs> yeah, say? Just just to be correct, I guess politically correct. Conspiracy to commit money laundering, duh. And conspiracy to defraud the U.S. and violate campaign finance laws. Yeah, because he donated all that money to the Democrats. Yep. Which I thought was really polar. Why didn't, didn't he did not donate to the Republicans too? Or was it just the Democrats? I have no idea. Seemed very strange. But yeah. Straight to jail. Straight to jail. Right away. Straight to jail. Straight to jail. So, yeah, he's going to die. I'm pretty sure that we called that first. I don't think I get Nobel laureates for that, but I, I do think that it's it's important for us to to really acknowledge the fact that uh, he's going to die. He's going to yeah. die soon. He's, he's, he's going to... 
Yeah, so he he's in trouble and looks like Binance is even in even bigger trouble. They can't use the blockchain to, you know, hunt any of this down or, or stop any of this. Like, at what point are they going to, you know, make this top priority, you know, public enemy number one and enforce some regulation? Well, before that, I actually have uh, a clip of the arrest of Sam Bankman-Fried. This is an exclusive to the show. Ready? <laughs> Shout like that, they, they put you in jail right away. No trial, no, no nothing. Journalists, we have a special jail for journalists. You're stealing, right to jail. Right You're jail. playing music too loud, right to jail, right, right jail. away. Right You're right too fast, jail. <laughs> Slow, jail. You're charging too high prices for uh, sweaters, glasses. You right to jail. You undercook fish, believe it or not, jail. You overcook chicken, also jail. Undercook, overcook. You make an appointment with a dentist and you don't show up, believe it or not, jail, right yeah. away. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Classic. You know, sometimes it calls for the classics. You know, yeah. I'm here for that. Exactly. <laughs> Exclusive to the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about leading into the show with like a fake, like really popular guest and then putting it in, in the actual like. <laughs> yeah. Putting it in the actual title and then having everybody listen and then literally like super clickbaity, right? Right. And then playing like a YouTube clip to start the show of like Eddie Murphy or somebody that we were introducing. <laughs> That'd have been good. Yeah, or or just uh, using him on the soundboard to have a yes or no, or go, <laughs> and then <Yeah>. say yes, <laughs> and then using the soundboard. Eddie Murphy, do you like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? that would have been good. Yeah. But I thought, you know what? Let's have some ethics. Right. One of us is a laureate, right? Yeah. The other uh, is just a degenerate. No, come on. I'll let you guys all decide. Come on. You're not a no. laureate then? No, I'm not. Not yet. <laughs> I mean, they haven't come to me yet. I'm waiting. Well. That is about all I've got for the show notes for right now. Yeah. But I got a lot more to talk to you about. Let's go. It's just you and me, mm-hmm. the audience, intimate setting. SBF's going to die. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like the world is right. Man. So we were talking before the show started about the American Express changes that I, I've heard recently. Okay. So the rumor is, and I got this straight from American Express as being something that they're, they're looking to consider. I don't know if you travel a lot lately, but if you do, the Centurion lounges, a lot of places are really, really crowded. Whether really? Whether you're, you're at the airport or you're at a sporting event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a backstory on what we were talking about beforehand. So a little loophole here. Uh, my cousin has an American Express Platinum card, and maybe you can get into you know the different levels and how you can get you know a Platinum card versus how you cannot get a black card. But uh, what he did was he bought nosebleed seats at the, at the Laker game. Mm-hmm. And then he used his American Express Platinum card to get into the the lounge. And I was like, this it's is a tree on lounge. Yeah. yeah. And it looks like you got box seats and it was just a, a steal. Yeah. And, and there's not a ton of people at that particular one because most people don't realize it's there. Yeah. It was, he, he showed me a view of it. It looked great. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great lounge. Yeah. So because, because there's so many people in some of these lounges, uh, particularly the Centurion lounges and the, the airports. Yeah. That it's getting super, super crowded. The one in uh, Dallas that I typically visit whenever I'm there, right? It's it's bad. They've actually started to now have if you have a black card, they'll have the chef come out and make you private food, and they'll, they'll they can do like a little roped off section for you. Wow! But it's kind of tacky when you think about it because it's, it's you're still there, but you're getting like a different service with everybody else, and it just yeah. it just doesn't seem right. And to be honest with you, the seats are like above the boxes. You you can't really enjoy the game from up there. It's too too high up. <laughs> You know, for us yeah. tall people, that's not a problem. Uh, okay, my bad. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. But that that is a cheat code that made the internet rounds doing that. So you probably heard about that on the internet. There's a lot of oh. people telling people to do that. But got it. 
So what they're trying to do now is that they're trying to rethink how, because too many people are willing to pay like $800 a year, mm-hmm. I think, which is like seven something for the new membership fee for a platinum card. Got it. But there aren't, there aren't a lot of hurdles to getting it other than your willingness to actually pay for it. Right. So they're talking about now putting like an income cap saying you have to spend a certain amount of money per year. I think it's 100000 or something. Wow. If you don't spend 100000 per year on your platinum card, then you won't get access to things like the Centurion Lounge. Makes sense. I mean, I guess it does, but it doesn't. I think the better way to do it is if you're going to call it the Centurion Lounge. Yeah, have a card specifically for that. Well, it originally was just black card members. Mm-hmm. That, that's originally what it was. But so few black card members actually used it because there's only 30,000 worldwide. Yeah. And you can kind of do the math. There's not a whole lot of them that would be in any one place at one time. Right. And back when you when you used to walk in, they would give you, anytime you walked in any kind of lounge with a sporting event, they'd have like gifts for you. They'd give you like, It'd be blue, blue bottles of, of Johnny Walker. I mean, it was it was expensive, nice shit. Right, right. And it's watered down a lot over the years to try to make it more inclusive. But I think they've made it too inclusive now, and they're trying to step it back. Yeah. I I personally don't really care one way or the other because there's other benefits if the cards are the black card. Which, yeah. ironically, what I, here's, here's the one thing I'll tell you. Out of all the YouTube videos I've ever made, okay, none of them have really popped off. Some of the shorts have that were based on celebrity content, which I've tried to pull back away from because I don't think it's as educational as I wanted it to be. Right. The original idea was I would do celebrity content and that would draw people into financial literacy and I just found that they just looked at the celebrity content. Yeah. So rather than do that, I'd rather just have people who are legitimately interested in it. Mm. I made one video about the Centurion card. Right. I get more people hitting me up about that to this day than any other video I've ever made. No kidding. And it's, it's, it's very weird to me to see the obsessive compulsive behavior over getting it. Right. Well, you mentioned it not too long ago on a previous podcast. You said somebody had said something to you that made a lot of sense that it's one of the few things that you can't fake anymore. You can't fake it. Um, and I've seen really successful CEOs look at my car and be like, oh, I could probably get one of those. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> you know, and, and it, it, it is a, an underlying status symbol. They're, yeah. they're, so I'm going to, I don't know if I told you this, on the 13th of January, my wife and I are going to a John Legend concert. Did I tell you this? Okay, no. Oh, so. Where's it at? <laughs> So we got, because he just finished his residency in Vegas. It's a Centurion members thing, and there's three locations. One of which is in LA, one's in Europe, and there's another one like in Asia. Okay. And I, so I've never done this before through Centurion because I'm trying to test the features in this first year. It's officially been one year. I think a couple days ago that I've had the cards. Okay. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, put my name in for it. It's like a limited number, blah blah blah. Like, okay, cool, you're in. You, you Centurion card, whatever, blah blah. You're in. Thirteenth, we'll see you there. We'll give you the address. So they send me the address, but no seats. So I'm like, where, where am I sitting? And like, I want to go check and see where my seats are. They're like, no, 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 no. There's only 30 people going. I'm like, wait, what? Like, they're like, yeah, it's it's a private concert. You'll be in a room with 30 people, and they have like food and appetizers, and he just and, sings for you guys. And John Legend just in there. Whoa. He sings. Wow. And I'm like, really? Like, do I do like a background check or something? Yeah, or like, yeah, yeah. That's pretty like, cool. Yeah, it's weird, yeah, right? That is really, really cool. It's super, super weird, but. Yeah. That's kind of something to do, but that's the number one thing that people hit me up about is how to get that. I get constant DMs from people saying, hey, can you add me as an authorized user to your account? I'll pay you $100,000. What? Because people think that they can get a black card because I add them as a so That's not a thing. That's a real, people actually are, are willing to do that? That's Bro, I'll crazy. Show you, I'll show you a DM right now. It happened to me earlier this week. Yeah, because it's a major flex. Yeah, because you know if you have it, then you can't fake that you have it. I think a lot of, but here's the thing though is, is and then I had another kid hit me up saying I spent a million dollars a year, start sending me all the screenshots. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> exactly. He's like, well, what, I, what, I what do you got, want me to do? I haven't got the invite. Well, no, because they obviously know that I know people at my concierge. Like, maybe I could drop a name. Got it. And I want to be like, eh. 
So really, I, I, here's here's the real reason I think I got the card. All right. My spend wasn't super high. I think one year it was like five hundred grand. My the next year it was. This is my personal. Right. The um, the next year it was like three sixty, and then the next year it was like in the fours. Got it. So I was but averaging it, well north of like three fifty. It, it was consistent, right? It was consistent for like three or four years that high, and it was it had been in like in the in the two hundreds well before that. So I mean, it kind of gradually increased, and then one year I was building a lot of cars and shit, and it just got really expensive. Got it. And then it's never really come back since then. Like my bill this month is forty six, fifty thousand, somewhere in there. Right. Um. And you've you've know, you've heard me complain about some yep. bills being like seventy thousand. Yeah. So it, it's just the way that it is. But I also have business cards. Mm-hmm. And I have people in my business on the platinum business cards. Yeah. And I'm an executive at a publicly traded bank. So I think what really for them, for me, it wasn't so much like I was a spender. Right. They identified me as somebody they can get a large account with. Yes. Because they're like, okay, look at all Makes these businesses sense. he's connected to. Makes sense. Let's get him to convert. And I told him I'd be willing to consider moving some of my business accounts over to to American Express. Not even black cards, just, just they just want American Express business cards. Right. I'd be willing to do that. And these are multi-million dollar accounts. But I want to experience it for a year. And up until probably the last two months, I was like, there's no way I'm going to do this. I, w- I was like, there's no way I'm going to move everybody to American Express. Wow. Because I already, I had, so my real estate company and one other company have American Express cards. And there's like five or six cards each. Right. And then my, my, my card, my wife's card. And then I was like, you know what? I'm probably, I'm not getting the benefit out of this. And then the last couple months, I've started to see some of the stuff. Yeah. You got to travel to really, to really see the perks, right? Dude, some of these perks are ridiculous. The way people treat you, it's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fa- I mean, I'm, just being dead, I'm dead ass serious it's yeah. just not fair yeah no one will ever like look at your card and be like oh ooh, black card hey yeah how you do unless it's a stripper or yeah. a prostitute or somebody like yeah. generally speaking nobody's gonna look at your card right, right right and give a shit yeah but there are lots of people i'm sure who not who've looked at it acknowledge what it is and never said a word to me right. but that being said it's the service you get with it when you check in places i love how exclusive it is the only other thing that i've heard that is like at that's pretty exclusive like that is uh, that Club 33 at, at Disney World or Disneyland. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty exclusive too, right? Don't you have yeah. to get invited by someone that is a member and then it's got some crazy like membership fee? Yeah, I don't know the whole backstory, to be honest. That's how exclusive it is. You can't, people don't even know like what it costs to get in. <laughs> I look at stuff like that and I'm just like, you know what? I don't. I don't want to know. I don't. Yeah. I don't want another thing from my wife. My, my wife's listening. It's a joke, honey. No, that's it's not a real, real. That's a real. Don't, don't thing. do this. Yeah, yeah. Don't do this, dude. I've heard like the membership fee is like seventy grand or something. Do you know what you get for it? No, you get you, you get a seat at the restaurant. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you can go into the Pirates of the Caribbean and you can have dinner in <laughs> yeah. the Louisiana ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whenever you want, man. Right. Yeah, it's my all wife, yours. My wife was there today at Disneyland, and yeah. she's probably gonna go tomorrow. Man, she loves Disney like that. It does it for Carter, though. Well, I think tomorrow is her last day that she can go, and the rest of it's all blacked out for the rest of the year. Oh, because of the holidays? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was there all day today. She she got back late, and I helped give Carter a bath before I came to the studio to record episode 100. So what, does Carter, like, is he asked to go to Disneyland, or is it, like, a place that... Bro, know, this kid's life is, is not like your life and my life. <laughs> yeah, he's got... It's It's not the same. Yeah, yeah. Like he's three and a half and been on multiple first class flights. He's been to Hawaii. He's been to the to the east coast of Florida. Right. He's been. I mean, it's it's insane. The only thing he hasn't done is traveled internationally, and I'm sure we're gonna get there at some point in time. Yeah, exactly. It's once, like, dude, three and a half. Once like, it's once it's easy to travel with the toddler. Yeah. It's it's insane the stuff that this kid's seen and done. Yeah. I mean, all kids these days, right? Like, I just think like these kids were born into having the internet. Like we didn't have that. Not to sound like old geezers, but goddamn. No, you are old though. Yeah. 
I looked at myself in the, in the mirror today and I was like, Jesus Christ, this beard is gray. Oh, it's over. I almost want to shave so I feel like I look young again. I know. I saw a photo of myself from over the weekend. I was like, God damn, I'm old. It happened. It did happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, every time I see you, I think the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Hairline's intact, though. It, your hair is dense, bro. Yeah. Like, it, it's not fair. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people out here who have to pay for that kind of stuff. It doesn't even look that good. <laughs> I know. Twice. Yeah. No, once. <laughs> Come bro. on. I'm going to spread that. Uh, no, once. Twice. <laughs> I'm, never, I'm not going to pay for a second one. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> yes, you are. Actually, Stop I'm it. supposed to have a checkout tomorrow with the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> are you really? Yeah. <laughs> I know what it is, though. It's, 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 it's like a hair transplant checkup. It's not the same thing as, like, you know, yeah. going to your doctor and be like, hey, man, like, you know, is my gonorrhea gone away or something like that? It, it's, <laughs> my it's like, gonorrhea it's, gone away. You can look at your hair and be like, it, yeah, it's, it, we could fill you in a little bit more. I mean, why, why was gonorrhea the point of reference? I just feel like you could relate to that. No, I, <laughs> don't do That's hurtful. <laughs> oh, but it's not hurtful to <laughs> I got two hair transplants? <laughs> no, that's not the same thing. That's the, totally the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Some of us have feelings. Yeah. Some of us have gonorrhea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gonorrhea. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of people have been listening to the show lately. And I got to tell you, it never ceases to amaze me who will come up to us. I know. This this was this was very, very interesting. So you yeah. <laughs> came to the company holiday party. I did. And people were addressing you as the sultry Saeed Omar. <laughs> the, the sultry Saeed Omar. I'm not going to lie. I, I was I was flattered. It was it was cool to finally meet people that listen to the show. But my initial response to them was, I'm so sorry. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm so sorry that you have to listen. You have to I listen. Apologize to me. in advance. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. They, I, I represent this. I don't know what this. What are you is. gonna do if we actually get like I don't know 20, 25 listeners? Yeah, exactly. What are you gonna do? It's gonna be tough. You, but, you, you gonna be the shy guy? It was cool. Like, it, it, I'm sorry. It, no, or? but but honestly, it was cool. Once once the awkwardness like you know got out the way, and they're like, we really like the show, man. Thank you for doing what you do. And I thought it was really cool. Huh. Yeah. So they never listened. To so that. shout out to Will and shout out to Hayden. Will and Hayden. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to the show. I think Will thinks he's a cowboy. <laughs> no, Will's a cool dude. I like Will. <laughs> he's turning into I'm a I'm not going to let you do this to Will. He used to come in with slacks, yeah. tucked in polos. Yeah. Now he's got long, curly hair, wears hey, that's fine. T-shirts and jeans with glorified that's boots. That's fine. Hey, he, he got that. He could do that. I'm pre- he's one cowboy hat away from a Stetson commercial. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'm just telling you what it is, man. <laughs> so you want to impart any last words of wisdom for episode 100? Last words of wisdom. This is a milestone, brother. This right here is important. Yeah. We've been in here for 100 hours. I'm rounding up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 100 hours. More so, more than that. Maybe. With the, yeah. You know, the hour plus episodes, anything else. Yeah, we, yeah. We've been putting in work. 100 hours is a long time of your life, man. As I'm sure the great Ray Dalio once said on one of his principles of the day, measure twice, cut once. I'll leave you with that. <laughs> That's the worst outro quote ever. Blame Ray. Don't blame me. This is him. (laughs) This is his fault. God, this is so bad. Can you can you can we just edit this part out and you just add another quote? No, no, we're gonna leave that in because Ray did this. I'm gonna do this. As long as Ray does it, I'm gonna do it too. I I honestly thought when I asked you, you were gonna beg for an honest five star review. Really? Yeah. You wanna do it now? (laughs) Beg for one? Yeah. If you're listening to the show. And you haven't subscribed yet, whether that's on Apple or on Spotify, please subscribe. We could really, really use it. And while you're at it, leave us an honest five-star review. It'll make Chris happy. Only if your honesty includes me being humble, <laughs> incredibly friendly, and truly the inspiration that motivates you to come back episode after episode. Right. With positivity, radiant humor, and just nonstop fun. <laughs> nonstop fun. Then add whatever colorful bullshit you want to add about sight. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you want your review read on the show, go ahead and tell them how it is. Tell, tell them what time it is. You couldn't just end on um, like, <laughs> no, one no, courteous like No, no, no. You couldn't. It's a milestone episode. You couldn't end on one positive thing. Go to hell, man. <laughs> I am in hell. <laughs> Catch you in the next episode, everyone. Good night, everybody. Episode one hundred. What one hundred? Yeah, a hundred and some dro. No, and some. <laughs> <laughs>I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.